there, good man. What shoes have you found there? Comics Archaeology. Welcome back, kids, to Appendix N Month and our continuing exploration of the Appendix N influence on Dungeons and Dragons and the role that comic books played in that influence, too. As all three of these are intertwined and have a shared experience and story and really come from a similar culture. So with that, let's focus in on Appendix N's influence directly on comics as they were being developed in the Golden Age and then into the Silver Age and explore those influences on both those creative artists and writers. The main focus for our attention in this episode will be from comicbookhistorians.com, the influence of Pulp Fiction on the Golden and Silver Age of Comics. Many of these Appendix N authors started out publishing their works in pulp magazines, whether they were focused strictly on fantasy, whether they were fantasy and science fiction, or just science fiction. So, how in the world did we go from pulp magazine stories into collected works and have this massive influence on these writers and artists who would develop the comic book industry? Very simple. They all looked to similar areas for inspiration, and many were reading the same stories, thus the influences being similar, and certain plots and story arcs being transcendent into the medium over time. Superheroes are a lot of fun, and a lot of screen time in movie theaters these days, particularly when you're looking at the DC films that have come out, you're looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, again, pretty much speaks for itself in that great success. But the genesis of this superhero culture goes back to comic books, and then, specifically, the influence of these science fiction and fantasy authors who were originally published in pulp magazines. So let's look at the creatives of the time during the Golden Age. Who were these folks? These were Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. You had John Broom, Gil Kane, Gardner Fox. Now, wait a second. That name should ring a bell, shouldn't it, kids? Yes, indeed. That same Gardner Fox who did Kothar, Barbarian Swordsman, before that was doing comics in the Golden Age, and also into the Silver Age, and most notably was instrumental in establishing The Flash and The Flash of Two Worlds as being a seminal work for DC and establishing the DC multiverse. You had Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, of course those two, bringing us Captain America, Bill Finger and Bob Kane, there's Batman, Mort Weisinger, Jerry Robinson, Wally Wood, Robert Conninger, Joe Kubert, Carmine Infantino, and lastly, a very young and chipper Stanley. So let's start at the genesis of this influence. Prior to pulp magazines, there were dime novels, and there were many inspirations that came from those that were published in the late 1800s. However, with the introduction of the pulp magazine, this made distribution of these stories far easier. And you had writers writing for these pulp magazines who were doing a story in series through several months and even up to a year. Now, one of the most successful of these pulp authors was Edgar Rice 
Burroughs. In 1912, his John Carter of Mars premiered in a pulp magazine serial. In this story, gravity was less on Mars, which allowed John Carter, who was a human from Earth, to jump great leaps in those old stories. Now, in Action Comics number 1, 1938, Superman had the physique of an alien from his home planet who could jump an eighth of a mile with the lighter Earth gravity. Hence, he could leap tall buildings in a single bound. Hmm. Edgar Rice Burroughs also published Tarzan in 1912 about an orphan white boy raised by apes in the African jungle. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote The Land That Time Forgot in 1918. Volcanic activity preserved the dinosaurs in an island off the coast of Antarctica. In 1936, Kazar was created in its own pulp magazine. The company, then later known as Marvel, made their first Golden Age Kazar comic in Africa, 1939. More than 20 years later, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee would revamp this Kazar character, into a new Silver Age version, and then combining him with the Antarctic Savage Land in Uncanny X-Men 10, 1965, titled The World That Time Forgot. They fused the two Edgar Rice Burroughs novels into an ongoing grand Marvel adventure. And those kids are just two of the many examples that are given in this article. The influence of Pulp Fiction on the golden and silver age of comics. There's also an accompanying 14 minute video that goes along with this, which is well worth the view. The secondary source I would like to now turn to, which sheds light on the explosion of the fantasy genre in the 60s and into the 70s, is none other than John Peterson's Playing at the World. This is a phenomenal history of the development of role-playing games. And in his chapter two, John delves deep into the influences of the role-playing game, and specifically focusing in on the embracing of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, and then later The Hobbit, by the counterculture of the 1960s, and how these books became a phenomenon that helped absolutely catapult the existing works from these appendix N authors into a rebirth, if you will, or a heightened popularity. Tolkien was the prime mover that then led to there being reissues and as those cash registers were ringing. The comic book industry also took notice and as a result began adopting these stories into full-blown multi issue serials, which then would become graphic novels later down the road. Prime example of this was in 1970, in October of 1970 to be specific, Conan the Barbarian was adopted for the comic book pages by none other than Marvel. Roy Thomas would be the writer, along with Barry Windsor Smith providing those original illustrations of the Conan character. Marvel went back into the appendix and authors and plucked Michael Moorcock's Elric character, who would appear on the pages of Conan in March 1972, and specifically in Conan issues number 14 and 15. This would be a big team-up done by Roy, and as a result, Roy Thomas later 
would develop the Elric of Melnebene graphic novel in 1983, but not to be outdone. By Marvel, DC would come into the fold. They would birth the Sword of Sorcery line of comics, which would be Tales of Fantastic Adventure. Launching that would be none other than Fritz Leiber's Fafford and the Grey Mouser stories, which were adapted by Denny O'Neill and Howard Chaikin, and this would come out in 1972. Continuing along that line, in June of 1975 would be the development of the comic book character Stalker. Beware the man with the stolen soul. And this would be inspired by Michael Moorcock's tales. This character was created by Paul Levitz and Steve Ditko, essentially depicting a young warrior seeking immortality and power, challenges and defeats a demon lord. However, winning immortality, but losing his soul. And thus, he quests for his soul. So what's really in the popular books and reading of the day is the explosion of Tolkien and embracement by the counterculture, that counterculture and just popular reading in general, looking for more fantasy and getting a voracious appetite for it, embracing the Conan character. And of course, many of you will recall those beautiful Frank Frazetta-drawn covers to those Conan paperbacks. You also had Michael Moorcock's Elric series and also republishing of Fritz Leiber's Fafford and Grey Mouser series. Only the Lord of the Rings, however, would not see a mass comic book adaptation done. Instead, there would be a comic that would be released in Italy in 1979, but due to copyright issues, would not see similar treatment occur in the UK or in America. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with a massive influence by these Appendix N authors on the comic book industry. Not only inspiring the tales of superheroes, but taking aspects of some of those characters as we so very clearly saw in the development of the Superman character with having the John Carter character influencing that to then the Khazar character, and Tarzan also being a direct descendant or inspiration for that character, to then full-blown series and then eventually graphic novelizations of these original stories being done on Robert E. Howard's Conan character, on Michael Moorcock's Elric character, and also on Fritz Leiber's Fafford and the Grey Mouser. Well, kids, that's it for this latest installment of comics archaeology focusing in on Appendix N's influence on comics. In our next episode, we will be focusing in on the comic book influences on the development of Dungeons and Dragons. And we hope you'll join us. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons.